Stave 2. Scrooge is dead. Yes, Scrooge is dead. I swear to it, or I wouldn't be telling you of it right now. Old Scrooge is dead as a mackerel. Understand, I'm not telling you I know anything about why a mackerel is most always described as deceased, but when they make their appearance on my dinner plate, this has always been their physical condition. So my statement, dead as a mackerel, stands. This I pray you accept as true, so something wonderful can come of the story you are about to hear. Tiny Tim Cratchit, Bob Cratchit's lame little son, and old Scrooge had been inseparable. Ever since that time when Scrooge had befriended his clerk's little boy, when he'd almost died, they were never far apart. Scrooge, in fact, was like a second father to Tim, close after his beloved real father, Bob. You could even say that Tim owed his sturdy, healthy body and life to this man, Scrooge, who at one time had been a self-centered, hand-at-the-grindstone Scrooge. Oh, yes. He had been a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire. But late in his years, Scrooge had experienced a miraculous change in his attitude about life, and had become the most thoughtful, kind, caring, giving, generous, and loving benefactor. As the good old city knew, or any other, good old city, town, or borough, in the good old world. But now, after a long life, here he lay, the candles at both ends of his coffin, flickering, agitated by the wind blowing through the cracks in the windows. His casket was plain, in keeping with one step above pauper. This had been Scrooge's wish when he had made his own arrangements for his funeral some time ago. "'Nothing fancy, mind. Just anything will do,' he had told the undertaker at the time. Here then was Scrooge, his white hair glistening on his head and brow, above a time-worn face of cavernous folds. In repose, Scrooge had a peaceful, unconcerned look that might well be said to be angelic. His hands were folded upon his chest, and from the doorway of the room he had the appearance that he was merely asleep or praying before Morpheus overtook him. As yet, no one had come to visit Scrooge, but this was because the undertaker had two customers that very afternoon, and one casket for them both. Scrooge, having passed later than the first and second in line, had to wait until a casket could be found for him. After all, it was first come, first served. Now, through the frosted pane of the undertaker's front window, a face appeared, unmistakably Bob Cratchit. After gazing for a time, as though he were in deep thought, Cratchit disappeared, and presently the front door agonized on its hinges, followed by the sound of footsteps coming down the hall to where Ebenezer lay. Cratchit stopped in the doorway of the room, almost as if he expected the man in the casket across the room to bid him enter. Then, after a few more moments of hesitation, he walked slowly over to the side of Scrooge's beer and gazed thoughtfully down at him. Immediately, warm memories of Scrooge flooded Cratchit's mind, 
as he looked into Scrooge's gentle face, and remembered back to when Tiny Tim would hobble on his one little crutch through the snows of winter to Scrooge's waiting arms. And later on, when Tiny Tim was no longer crippled, the old man watching him sliding on the ice at Cornhill, shouting his encouragement and clapping his hands in delight at the sight of it. Cratchit was brought back to the present abruptly, when the front door again groaned, and slow approaching footsteps could be heard on the bare floor of the hallway. They stopped just before the opening into the room, and no one appeared. Cratchit waited with expectation, wondering for a moment if he'd imagined the whole thing. But then in the gloom, a slight young man could be seen framed by the doorway. The handsome face etched in sorrow was Tiny Tim's.